You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Tuesday, February the 8th, a little bit grey, but dry here in TW11. Not all that cold either. Kicking on towards another fantastic weekend uh, action here in the UK with Betfair Super Saturday at Newbury. Just how super is it? We'll be discussing a little bit later in the show. One man who'll be very well represented is the 12 times champion trainer, Paul Nichols. But something's up with Nichols and his stable at the moment. Lee Mottisett is the senior writer for the Racing Post. Lee, what is it? Well, the problem with Paul Nichols at the moment is he isn't saddling winners. And what Paul Nichols does do on a regular basis is saddle winners. Um, He put out a blog um, yesterday explaining the situation, just outlining the fact that he wasn't happy with the the state of the yard at the moment. The numbers are that in the last fortnight, he had 40 runners, only two winners for a 5% strike rate across the whole season. His strike rate is 23%. Paul outlined in the blog and subsequently when speaking about the weekend's action at Newbury that there were no signs of sickness or coughing or dirty noses in any of his yards. All the tests had come back clear. There was a suspicion that potentially there was an issue with uh, a lack of potassium and calcium in the the hay the horses have been having. He said that in the previous season that had been a problem. So since yesterday, been adding uh, potassium and calcium to the feed. But it's really a a wait-and-see situation. The fact is he isn't having winners in his normal regularity at the moment. In that sense, it is what it is. But we promise he and we don't yet know what the it is. Why isn't he having winners? What is what is the problem? But you can be absolutely certain that Paul Nichols will be all over trying to get things rectified. I spoke to him a little while ago and he remains, as you might expect, pretty upbeat. All things get blown out of all proportion. If you read the front of the racing post, you think we were, we, we, we were finished for the season. I'm not going to have any runners for three or four days. Literally didn't have too many entered. And... I just wanted to regroup and just make sure everything's right with a view to run all those nice horses on the weekend. Which, by the way, they all, Clan and Hitman and a Brave Man's Game and Nabbit Hill all school this morning, and they all look great. They're mad fresh. All the people were happy with them. So, in light of anything coming up, you crack on. It's just, just really a few days quiet, that's all. I, I mean, you sit there scratching your head trying to figure out why some of the horses have, have run badly, and you've done a load of, of blood tests. Has anything at all come to light? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, there's not not one horse in the yard's coffin, not one with a dirty nose. He's always got a few little niggly problems. That's always a, always a thing. But no, until now, as I said, we've tested the food, we've tested the hay. You won't get results of that for a few minutes, for a day or two, just to make sure that's all okay. But nothing is different. You know, if you had horses that were sick and it was going around, you'd know, and then you'd know. But when they're not, and if you'd have seen those guys schooling this morning, how they look, you just simply got to crack on. And I did have a look last night. I wrote down the last 20 runners that we had last last week. You could put a line through quite a lot of them because of the ground or they're not good enough for different little reasons. And, you know, we had a few winners. And I think just be positive and in light of anything showing up that isn't right, we'll just crack on. And as far as these horses at the weekend are concerned, if this was any normal time and you were analysing how they, how they might run, you know, and, and looking at the races... 
how how confident, hopeful, excited would you be? Well, very excited. I mean, Brave Man's game in great order, nice and fresh. Same with Napa's Hill here. Man, we've kept him with this race and clan is the same. You'll be going into this race um, you know, this weekend, you know, full of optimism and hope you'd have a good day. And still am, really. We've got some lovely horses to run and looking forward to it. Well, that was Paul Nichols speaking to me a, a little while ago. Lee, I think he's keen to stress that, that you know, all is well with the, the important horses and he is going to drive on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he, he, he made the point as well when he was speaking yesterday, Nick, that you almost have to drive on because if you don't, then you don't know what the situation is. You might be not running horses when there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. And all yards do go through through peaks and troughs. This isn't something that is singular to Paul Nichols. It has also been the case in the past that January has often been his quietest month because that's when he does the the flu jab. So we're used to Team Ditchit being relatively quiet around this stage of the season. I'm sure he'll bounce back soon. As I say, he's not alone. If you look at in Ireland, Henry de Bromhead stable has been under a a bit of a cloud to an extent for for a while now. Um, and I think in some ways that's what made Honeysuckle's victory on Sunday all the more pleasing. So it it isn't just Nichols, but I suppose for, for British racing, as we approach the Cheltenham Festival, because we have so few major, major yards with, 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 with super horses going into the festival, when one of them is underperforming, that further diminishes your confidence. So let's hope that this weekend and on the Saturdays thereafter through February, we can see Paul Nichols firing in plenty of winners. There are four important horses this weekend. Clan des Oboe in the Denman Chase, Hitman in the Game Spirit, Brave Man's Game in the Novice Handicap, it's an interesting call, and Nappers Hill, who's one of the favourites for the, for the Betfair Hurdle. We'll come to the Betfair Hurdle in a minute. I just want to have a little bit of a tangent on, on a couple of these. Clan des Oboe, first of all, Lee. After the interview with Paul, I, I, at your suggestion, sent him a text asking whether he would consider Clandes Oboe subsequently for the uh, very valuable race that used to be the racing post chase, now the Coral Chase at Kempton, uh, for which he's top weight and he'd keep all the others out of the handicap. And he said that would be an option if he missed Saturday, but it might be an option even if he won on Saturday as he'd get no penalty at Kempton with top weight. So it would be it would be double trouble for all the others. That's a really interesting shout of yours. Well, it just seems to me, Nick, that the this Coral Trophy race, which this year will have £150,000 in prize money relative to a £60,000 Denman chase at Newbury, it would seem to me that the Coral Trophy is a much more Nichols-esque plan than going for a 60 grand conditions race. We know how much uh, Clan Desobo loves Kempton. Um, if you look at the the, the horses entering the race at the moment, we haven't had the official publication of the weights, but you can have a good guess based on official entries. And based on official entries, only six other horses in the race would be within the weights on the day if Clan Dizobo ran. And six of the entries that that applies to are horses trained by Paul Nichols. So Clan Dizobo could have a huge effect on that race if he were to run in it. Um, so it's a 150 grand handicap. It deserves support. It's a race that's been won by top weights in the past. Heck, Desert Orchid produces great ever performance when carrying top weight in that race. And personally, as a jumps fan, I would love to see Clan Desobo go for this uh, Coral Trophy. Paul does, I think, face uh, to an extent a choice. Yes, the horse could go from Newbury on to Kempton. But I think Paul said in the past he's often best when absolutely fresh. Um, against that, 
this Newbury card on Saturday is sponsored by his yard sponsor, Betfair, which might influence his thinking as well. But whatever happens, I would love to see Clandis Obo at Kempton on February 26th. Yes, I think I, I would as well, with all that uh, money on for the race as well, and hopefully restore it to its its former glory. A brave man's game in the novice handicap chase at the weekend. I was watching a bit of Sky Sports yesterday morning, and Matt Chapman and Jamie Lynch were rolling around the idea that he should chuck him in the Arkle as it's the weakest of the three novice chases potentially at the at the Cheltenham Festival, which was out of left field, but I certainly didn't hate it. And it it made me think of a wider point that um, James Willoughby made to me a, a while ago when he said, two miles is probably far enough for most horses. And actually, it's the <laughs> division that that is weakest and should be should be loaded a bit more. Yes, it's a really interesting call. I think what James um, had said there is is is, is fascinating. Um, I think there's no doubt that if you look at the the novice chases, the, the, the three grade one novice chases at this season's festival, the Arkle looks by far the most open in the sense that it is the one of the three races that doesn't appear set to be contested by proper superstars. You know, you've got horses like Galapin Deschamps, Bob Ollinger um, heading towards the the longer races. The Arkle hasn't got that sort of horse in it. Fernie Hollow is out of the race. I still think, though, it would be a big call if you think that Paul Nichols is looking to run Brave Man's Game in a three-mile contest, a near enough three-mile contest at Newbury on Saturday. I would be stunned if he went for, or he, he started thinking about the arc. I think he's far more likely to go to the the Brown advisory. Um, and I also think as well, Nick, just, just linking what we're saying about Clan Dizobo, I think it's great that he's running in a limited handicap chase on Saturday. We, we, we need to get over this idea that, very good horses cannot give weight away in handicaps. They can, and it's great for the sport when they do. So again, big tick to Nichols mm. for going for this novice handicap chase on Saturday. Even better if you're running in a handicap and you think you've got a stone up your sleeve, which I suppose a horse like Nappers Hill might have in the Betfair hurdle. But the talking point out of that is why are there so relatively few entries, even though the the field could be quite strong? It's a strange one. Um, it is a strange one. Having said that, it's perhaps not the biggest surprise in the world. Um, if you look at some of the factors that lead into it, Nick, there are no Irish train entries in the race, which again, perhaps is unusual given it's 155 grand handicap hurdle, the richest in Britain. But Ireland had their equivalent race, the Liffey uh-huh. hurdle at Leopardstown on Sunday that had 27 runners. Yeah, it had about 90 runners. <laughs> Absolutely. For, 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 for less money, it wasn't as, yeah, it wasn't as valuable a race as the, as the Betfair hurdle. Um, that means we've only got British horses in this race. And realistically, there aren't many really good two-mile hurdlers in Britain. There are only 10 British train horses currently in the champion hurdle of the 23 horses left in the race. And a lot of the horses that we've got in the bet for hurdle, they're not senior hurdlers either. They're novices, which brings us to another interesting point. Well, I'm sure I, I heard Ruby Walsh writing or or saying in, in a, at some point last season that he wondered why one of the reasons why British novices haven't done as well at the festival is that they go in races like this and that perhaps it's not that, that good for them. Well, there'll be plenty of them in it on Saturday. It is a race that in previous seasons has had much bigger fields, a maximum of 24 runners in 2020, 23 runners in 2021, 24 in 2018, only 14 in 2019 when it was moved a week later to Ascot. 
But against that, there are sometimes years when strange things happen. I remember as a as a kid, Nick, when we were both young, watching um, the renewal with I think Large Action and My Silver and Oh So Risky had a had eleven runners I think back in nineteen ninety four. Um, you do get strange things. There was a year when Gofar won a single figure field Hennessy. There are oddities now and again. We have seen twenty odd runners in the in the Lanzarote. Um, a few weeks ago, there were 18 in a long-distance handicap hurdle, 100 grand handicap hurdle at Sandown on Saturday. I think the problem is in this two-mile division. There are only 12 in the new 100 grand two-mile handicap hurdle at Lingfield's Winter Million meeting. There just aren't that many um, really good two-mile hurdlers at Britain in the minute. And this race, to an extent, is saved in numbers terms by the fact so many novices are going for it. You talk about novices, one of the most intriguing races this weekend could be the Kingmaker novices chase at Warwick if Edward Stone and third time Lucky, the two leading British Arkle hopes, take their chances. Uh, of course, what that means is that there will be one major British Arkle hope <laughs> after the race. Yeah, good race on <laughs> good race on Saturday. We're not going to do as much good in the long term. Um, I can't, but we it, can't sit here now and start discouraging trainers from running good horses. No, again. Oh, again, no, no, no. No, we can't. Nick. We can't. No, we, we, we say all along that the whole point, the, the, one of the concerns of the this period in Britain is what relevance the races have for the Charter Festival. So we do need to have horses in these races. The Arkle is one of those few grade ones at the festival where at the moment we do look to have a proper chance of of defeating the, the huge and powerful Irish challenge. Um, hopefully one of those horses on Saturday, Nick, will produce a, a stellar performance and make us continue to believe that there could be a, a British successor to, to Shishkin um, from 12 months ago, I, from, from last season. I think Edward Stone has looked particularly good so far this season. Um, Love the way he's been going about his job um, from a very inauspicious start when he was brought down on his first start over fences. But third time lucky as well. Loads of exuberance. Um, I think this track will be right up his street as well. Uh, It's a super race. There may be horses that you think are certainties at the Cheltenham Festival, of course, There are no certainties there. The only certainty about this national hunt season is that Brian Hughes is going to be crowned champion jockey. Yesterday at Carlisle was another momentous day for him. It may have been slate grey skies, rain coming in sidewards and pretty miserable for all concerned. But Hughes got a lovely warm round of applause when he broke his own personal best and got 147 winners for the season with his first victory. And then about an hour and a half later, he'd ridden his 150th winner of the season. He rolls on relentlessly. How does he do it? I've been talking to him. Obviously when you're having a good run of luck, um you just keep you seem to just keep rolling on. Um like I'm lucky that the horses are in such good shape and um I'm getting plenty of decent opportunities but look I've been busy, there's no secret to that. But um a lot of the jockeys are busy and they're not getting this success so you know yourself when you're when you're being successful. Um, however hard you're working, it's kind of irrelevant, really, because you're sort of riding that sort of wave, if you like. Um, have you ever had a, Have you ever had a strategy as to how to how to play it, how to make yourself the most successful, or has this sort of numerical success just been a been the way things have panned out? I mean, look, obviously, you need to be riding for the right people, first and foremost. And then, obviously, when you're given the opportunity, you have to take it. And I suppose I I set out a lot of years ago trying to be as reliable as I could. 
um, I never really wanted people to say, you know, oh, wasn't he brilliant on that? Or, but yeah, he was terrible. And I, I just wanted to be consistent. I wanted to just keep getting the job done, keep riding winners. And I feel that when you're riding winners, people's going to want you more than, you know, rather than flares or brilliance. And then, you know, I, I like to try and keep it as simple as possible and, and just keep riding winners um, rather than, you know, have a say flares of brilliance and say wow you know wasn't that great but I, I just like to do everything as simple as I can and, and that's what Donald likes and Nikki and the people I ride for so you know once they're happy with that that's that's all I've ever tried to do and, and keep the ball rolling. Um, how important has Donald McCain been to to you um, not just in terms of your riding but your sort of personal relationship with him? Yeah like um, I suppose um, Donald's been a massive part of, of, of my success, especially this year, but even in the recent years, um, he's quite a big stable and, and he's obviously um, is well documented what happened a few seasons back and, and you know, basically lost half his yard but he's rebuilt that now and all the owners have reinvested you know, numerous times in the stock that they have at the minute um, but yeah, I mean like Donald's a, it's a big team and, and a good team. Everyone works well and works hard there. But as you say, in like our personal relationship, I mean, obviously Donald's obviously had to change his mindset from you know before, and, and I probably had to change mine as well. But I think we we work well together and we meet in the middle, and, and he understands me because anyone that knows me, I'm would probably refer to me as a bit of a marmite character they would ever either like me or they'd hate me I don't want to be any middle ground so um, Donald understands me and, 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 and essentially we both want the same thing we want winners so um, yeah I think I think it's a good a good relationship and, and, and I know what he expects and I know that you know, obviously things don't go to plan in races and I know if I change the game plan um, and it doesn't work out that, you know, he'll back me 100%. So, because um, he knows I'll have changed it for the right reasons. Um, so that's always, you know, I've got the confidence that he'll always stand behind me. So, um, and equally, you know, he'll take a chance on running one and he knows I'll back his judgment. So it's, it's a two-way street. Uh, what? Why are you a Marmite character? It's not. I'm not, I've got to say, it's never something that's occurred to me. You took me a bit by surprise when you said that. Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I'm probably a bit abrupt for some people, and um, um, I'd come, you know, I'd, I maybe come in from a race and it hasn't gone well, and you know, I, 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 I wouldn't butter up the, the my thoughts. I would just lay them out there straight out, and some people just don't ex- don't appreciate that. I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more to the point than, than you know, um, than, than some people would like. So I've always felt that some people like that, some people don't. So, you know, that's just that's where life is. I've, I suppose that's just the type of person I am. The jockey ship has evolved a lot over the, the last few years. If you're in a position like you are and you're riding all the time, all day, every day, tons of winners... Um, you've got to have systems in place. And I was interested in what you were saying to Niall Hannity yesterday on, on Racing TV, that you, you basically delegate all the stuff that's not about riding horses to others, and it works really, really well. So that, does that keep you in the right place mentally? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, like, I suppose, you know, I'm not refer- I'm not comparing myself to AP McCoy by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, you, you've seen what AP did all them years ago, and, and he was so successful. And I mean, it made sense. I mean, you know yourself, Nick, if you're going to do a job and you've got something that's not, you know, maybe directly involved with that job, but it's in your mind, it's you're not 100% focused on, on the job you're going to do. That's always in the back of your mind. Or there's something else, you know. I have no distractions. I'm lucky that the people around me take them all away from me, so I can just concentrate on on what I'm 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 employed to do, if you like. So um, that's my focus. And again, look, it is a selfish, very selfish way of looking at things. But I suppose when I eventually retire I kind of want to look back and say well I, I, I did as best I could and if I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve then I simply wasn't good enough I've, I've always had that mindset I, I didn't want to leave anything to chance Brian Hughes there and I, I a bit of sort of self-criticism from from the champion jockey elect there Lee describing himself as a Marmite character can be a bit abrupt on occasions um it's almost made me warm to him more really yeah I I I respect him greatly but but i like him as well nick i uh, there was a day at april in april last uh, year at cheltenham when at that point brian hughes and harry skelton were, were really tussling for the jockeys championship i interviewed them both that day and i thought brian was extremely uh, likable giving of his time and thoughtful in what he said um I think maybe he, he he sees himself as a bit of a, a, a Marmite character, partly perhaps because of the the Northern thing, that some people just see him as a Northern jockey. And because he's maybe not down here riding in the big races every every weekend, maybe people don't necessarily warm to him or admire him in, in the way that they should, but they really should admire him. The stats this season um, are remarkable just in, in a personal sense and relative to everybody else you know at this stage he's ridden 150 winners his nearest pursuer in the jockeys championship Sam Twist and Davis has had 83 Harry Skelton 81 he's absolutely miles clear he probably could stop now and still win it with with daylight to spare hopefully though he'll keep marching on to 200 winners to achieve your personal best in the middle of January uh, is sensational and given how uh, how big a blow it probably was last year when he was beaten to the title by Harry Skelton. I think to come out the way he has done this season um, with McCoy-esque level of hunger, supported by his superb agent, Richard Hale, it has been a great thing to see. It, it's great for him. It's great for Northern Jump Racing as well. He's already exceeded the the highest ever total for a northern champion john joe and Neil got 149 uh, in the late 70s so brian Hughes has already beaten that it's only january yes seasons are different now and there wasn't a summer jumping back in john joe's day but i think brian hughes is is enormously um he's a he's, a, he's enormously successful jockey but he's enormously likable jockey um and i think w- what he's doing is is a tremendous thing well, it is Tuesday, which means we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's, their stallion book and their global stallion app, uh, in which and on which you will find 
all the stallions at Rathbury and Glenview, a remarkably successful dual-purpose operation situated near Fermoy in County Cork, one of the largest family-owned studs in Europe, dare I say, anywhere in the world. You read down their roster, it would be the envy of so many, even the major stallion stations. Acclamation, Cody Bear, James Garfield on the flat and Jumping Blue Brazil, Old Persian, Shiroko, Sholikov, Yumzen Eagles by day and Malinas. So many of those having so much success of, of all ages. Neve Woods is daughter of Liam and Catherine Cashman. The late Liam Cashman was the man who really brought the stud into the into the modern era and laid some of the foundations for what we see today. Though, as I found out last night when I spoke to Neve, uh, this was an enterprise that started off almost nine decades ago with her grandfather. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Looking back like that, geez, it's nuts. <laughs> getting old. <laughs> yeah, my granddad, um, Paul Cashman, he uh, moved, well, bought the stud at the time, Rathbury, moved there with his family. Um, and then my dad, with his three sisters, was born there, raised there, and he stayed on then to run the family. It was a dairy farm at that stage, but my grandfather was always interested in horses, stood kind of half-bred horses, stallions as such, and, and uh, my dad kind of got the interest then to do um, to move into the thoroughbreds. What what really made your your father tick? Um, well, I suppose, like as I said, he was very much involved from his early days, hunting, racing, rode a point to point winner or no, sorry, a bumper winner, um, and like just really always loved horses. Obviously, farming as well, but just loved the horses aspect of it, and very much national hunt was that was, and I suppose it is our, you could say, our forte in that. That's where myself, and my brother were born and bred. That's what we were raised in. That be our first love obviously the flat is very much our on our scene as well but i suppose going back that's where we, we would be most comfortable um and my dad you know got involved in local point of points got involved in the local coursing and hunting did all of that and then you know in our childhood we were raised on a farm it was a working farm we had bringing in the mares bringing in the you could say calves all that I suppose, you know, from our young days, innocent wise, we, we just were all around, always around horses, always around animals, really. And, and it just kind of built from that. That's what we knew. And that's how we kind of came into the business then eventually. Just having a look at some of the, the leading sires and the, and the first season sires that he, he stood yeah. all through the 80s and 90s, almost every year a winner. Kampala, Torfan, Alzeo, Barathea, Tagula, Namid, Acclamation and that line carrying on. What do you think his secret was? Where, why do you think he was so good at what he did? He was very interested in uh, physicality of the horses and he looked for toughness as well as anything else. I know Alzeo, he was uh, like, okay, Tofan, he kind of got involved with Tofan originally uh, with Sheikh Mohammed through the late Colonel Warden and he he loved that. Um, he was, a, you know, I suppose a, a grand horse to start off a small stud with and, and Sheikh Mohammed very kindly, you know, allowed Dad to, to get involved and it kind of 
built from there, but he was always on the outlook. Alzeo obviously raced in France, and he sourced him there. Alzeo wasn't a very big horse, but Dad just loved his, um, you know, his racing and his confirmation. And okay, he kind of got over the size issue, but you know, all the horses ever since, there was always something about their race record, their physicality. They had. I suppose, the guts and and the will to win. And he just loved that in a horse. And Neve, how did commercial success begin to accompany knowledge of horses? Yeah, well, I suppose my dad, his secret weapon really was my, is my mum or was my mum. And she was very instrumental in the, um, in, in, you could say, the backbone. And she still is very much the backbone of the whole place, of the two places. She runs, you could say, she's the boss and we're just the underlings, you know. And just talking about the stallions you, you've got currently, the old man of the party, and what a horse he is, and what a legacy he's left, acclamation. Could you ever have imagined he would he would have the impact that he's had? No, I mean, he's been phenomenal. And I mean, we were just saying it there recently. He's been such a fantastic servant to everybody who's had anything to do with him, you know. He's just been just one of the, I suppose, he's been a, a fantastic success story for us when you look at the likes of, you know, Gail Callahan has stood Dark Angel, a son of his. You have Tony now with Memes, another son of his. It's fantastic the way things have developed all from him just starting off, you know, with us originally um, leading for season sire back in 2007. Then to see it snowball into what it is now for him, he's just been just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And you say that your your first love remains National Hunt Racing. I mean, you're you stood a, a real breed shaper in presenting for a long time and, and you seem to have dropped on an absolute diamond in Blue Brazil. I mean, just this season, Royal Pagai, Constitution Hill, Blue Lord at the Dublin Racing Festival, the French champion hurdle winner. It, what, what's, what do you think his sort of major credentials are as a, as a horse and as a stallion? And he's so tough. I mean, he, like his stalker, they just seem to have it all. They have, they're so tenacious and I suppose like they're good, big, you know, tough horses. I think a lot of that has to do with the toughness, Nick, that's in them, you know. Uh, like for, for a national hunt horse, it's it's grand to be coming out and, and winning nice races and doing it all. But the toughness and the consistency when you see them doing what they're doing, it's just wonderful. And I, I suppose, like, really, we've got some fantastic mares that have gone to him in the past. And he's, you know, it, I suppose the best is yet to come, really, with the Irish, the Irish bred ones that are coming now as well as obviously when he was standing over at York and the English but it, it, they're all coming to the fore now the next couple of years are going to be so exciting for him I mean you, you're standing seven National Hunt Stallions and, and some brilliant ones as well I mean you've got Sholokov who's the sire of Shishkin and Bob Ollinger and um, Malinas even with Master McShee the other day is doing very well and, and Shiroka we know what he's done with Annie Power and Co so there's some serious names here is there? Do, do you have in your head a cap of what is a good number of stallions, or do you just feel your way as the years go by? Well, I suppose we feel our way. Like, unfortunately, for the national hunt stallions, they, you know, when they hit their four, when their stock hit their four for them, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of they're they're just that bit older, and that's the sad thing with, especially in the national hunt game, that the stallions when they make it, when their progeny does make it for them, they could be seven, sixteen, seventeen years of age, you know, and and obviously time kind of starts to catch up on them. Um, that's the unfortunate thing with this game. So you always have to be on the lookout for something new and something exciting for the breeders. I mean, we're lucky that we have 
have old Persian Dubai way horse. He's seven year old now. First crop of foals coming. He's a grand big 16, two and a half hands high horse. Just very imposing, you know, exciting what mares have gone to him last year. And then we have. Sorry. And then we have Eagles by D now that standing with us this year, and he's a lovely horse as well. So we'd be hoping that he would do the business too. You know, he's he's a son of See the Stars, and we we're very excited with him for this coming year. The mares he'll get, and he's he was a tough horse, and and you know he he did it really really well. So I mean, exciting times for him coming along now. And um, Neve, even. People who, who who are steeped in national hunt racing, if they if they stand flat stallions, there is something incredibly exciting about a, a horse just about to have his first group of two year olds because you kind of know pretty quickly whether you're going to sink or whether you're going to swim. Uh, how are you feeling about James Garfield? Yeah, I mean, like we're we're excited about him. He's uh, obviously um, like a, a gorgeous son of Exceeding Excel. He was so tough and consistent himself for George Scott. I suppose, you know, he's from the same, he's from the sire line as uh, Invincible Spirit and um, Kodiak. So he's got a lot going for him. Plus the fact that he's with some lovely lads, you know, James Tate, Kevin Philippe Defoy, George Scott, George Bowie. Jeez, I could name, keep naming them, you know, and even the Breeze Up lads. There's a few with Breeze Up lads as well. Long Ways, Kilbrew, Robson. Eddie Lennon, like they've all, you know, punted up for them as well. And, and we're hearing good word for them at the moment. So he might be one that will hopefully surprise people flying on the radar a bit. But, you know, we're very, very hopeful with him. And just going back to, to where it all started and the continuation of this, I said it won't be long before, you know, this, there's a century of, of Rath Barry. It's still very much a, a family enterprise, even though it's been such a commercial success. Are you are you confident what you're seeing around you that it will it will go on for generations yet? Is the is the next generation coming through? Yeah, I suppose I I, I have a little boy myself. In front, I have a little boy, Paddy, who's eleven now, and you know he's getting interested in it. He's he's riding ponies and he's getting lessons and that, and he loves going to the point of points, loves going to the races. Paul has uh, two little ones, Liam, who's seven, and Naveen, who's four, and they, again they're starting to you know ride now as well, doing a bit of pony riding, getting involved. They love going to the point of points as well. I mean, it's all coming through and bit by bit for the kids we're 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 you know we're kind of teaching them and getting them out around the farm out around the horses you know it's exciting for them to be involved in it even if it's just a small way of you know um you know feeding or watching us bring them in or watching them with the farrier obviously at a distance but just to get them involved and excited and see it all it's part and parcel of it neve what are you doing now uh <laughs> I'm intrigued because it sounds like you might be cooking something. I am. I'm trying to cook dinner. The boys are coming back. Paddy had uh, early training, so Franny is on the way back with him. I'm trying to get a dinner ready for them. <laughs> well, listen, I really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, I know it'll be good, uh, no matter that I've distracted you for 15 minutes. Uh, I love talking about the Stallions. Um, it, it doesn't sound like I need to wish you too much luck because they're all going so well. But uh, let's roll on Cheltenham and some, and some more winners for Rathbury and Glenview. You're very good. Thank you so much, Nick. <laughs> 
My thanks to Neve. Um, absolutely brilliant multitasking there. Thanks to Paul Nichols at the beginning of the programme on the front foot, as always, and to a thoughtful and reflective Brian Hughesley. Mottershead is still with me. Now, before I get a tip uh, from you for today, Australia. Now, this is a really interesting little bit of news, and we've been talking to, to James McDonald, the rider who has all the big race mounts in Australia on all the good horses at the moment, very elegant and nature's trip and Zaki and, and so forth. But, but... He is off nature strip in the forthcoming lightning stakes, big sprint race down there, to ride a horse called Home Affairs, Lee, for the same trainer, Chris Waller, leaving star jockey Jamie Carr to renew her association with nature strip from old. And that's caused a little bit of a a ripple down under. It has, yeah. Um, Rod Lyons, who is the senior part owner of Nature Strip, who, like so many of the Australians' best horses, uh, is is owned by syndicates. Um, he has said that his initial reaction was, and he quite a quote, a bit of anger and disappointment. But James says does have a long term commitment with Coolmore, and I guess it was a difficult situation for him. Um, and it must have been a difficult situation for him. Chris Waller would not, in an ideal world, want to run Nature Strip. He's a brilliant sprinter, winner of the the Everest and the Darley Sprint Classic in the in the spring in Australia, up against Home Affairs. And Home Affairs, for anyone who's not cottoned on to him yet, was a magnificent winner of the Coolmore Stud Stakes during the Melbourne Cup Carnival. That's their equivalent of the Commonwealth Cup at Royal Ascot. He was absolutely sublime in that performance. That's a real stallion-making race over there, and he could not have been more impressive. He's owned by Coolmore, so he's enormously valuable as a stallion prospect. These two horses will meet uh, a week on Saturday, and I think it's understandable that James McDonald has gone for for home affairs, given who owns him and given that horse's potential to just be something completely out of the ordinary but that that clash is something to look forward to and, and Nick for anyone uh, listening who, who is a bit like me who loves their Aussie flat racing this is an enormously exciting time of the year as well because we're going into the the Aussie autumn now where within uh, Victoria and New South Wales we're going to have remarkable Saturdays every weekend starting this weekend the, the latest my latest Australian racing sweetheart Nick very elegant she returns in the Apollo Stakes and look for a horse trained by Chris Waller called Espiona, uh, who runs in the Group 2 Light Finger Stakes. She's a three-year-old filly who produced the most dazzling display in a race at uh, Flemington during the Spring Carnival. Again, that marked her as a horse who could be just something a bit different. So Espiona and Very Elegant this Saturday and then next Saturday, a real clash to savour between Home Affairs and Nature Strip in the Lightning Stakes. Lee, thanks so much. Have you got a tip for me for today? I have. Um, Taunton isn't really like Flemington or Ramwick, Nick, but they've got a they've got a particularly good two mile seven furlong handicap chase this afternoon, in which a blast from the past, Slate House, who used to be such oh, a good not horse, him. yeah, Slate House used to be such a good horse for the Tizards. He's not as good as he used to be. I know the feeling, but he's off a mark of one three two. I think that could be enough for him to win the three o'clock at Taunton. Uh, the Kia supporting Love Musgrove handicap chase. Slatehouse, three o'clock at Taunton. Lee, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. That was Tuesday, February the 8th. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.